Hey everyone, welcome to episode 13, Tom Mass and the Bibli. Uh, we are starting the book of Exodus. Very excited because Genesis was getting a little boring, but Exodus is freaking magical right away. Going to be very entertaining. So, uh, let's get right in. Oh, uh, first actually, um, I'm doing a little research. This is one area of the Bible where it's pretty easy to 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 see archaeologically that none of this happened there's no evidence of the exodus the mass exodus of these people from egypt so um as we go through this keep that in mind that this is not real uh and you can sort of notice how made up some of it seems if you put a critical eye to it as i tried to do uh and a lot of the end of genesis was like that too and well, all of Genesis. <laughs> Alrighty, let's go. Verse 1, Exodus chapter 1, verse 1. Now, these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob. Oh, awesome, great. It's been nearly five minutes since we last heard all the names of everyone who, of Jacob. So, yeah, we really need this information again. Let's list out all the children one more time, please. Uh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. You know, did they not realize that we'd have all this in one book? Like, wasn't this meant to be a book? Whatever. All And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren in all that generation Talking about Joseph generation. Yeah, they all died. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty. Oh, they waxed back then. The women, I guess. That must have been nice. I bet everybody was so hairy back then. And they waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Just filled with them. Now, there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Really? Didn't know Joseph. So no one was like, uh, yeah, you don't remember there was a famine not too long ago, nearly killed everyone. Uh, it's really horrible. Seven years, actually, it happened. And uh, Joseph actually predicted it, which was pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, he saved all the food. No, not ring a bell. No, 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 don't know him. Haven't heard of that. Don't know anything about it. Can you run for Pharaoh without knowing that basic information about Egypt, over which you are becoming a pharaoh? <laughs> Seems really amazing. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of Israel, uh, the people of the children of Israel, are more and mightier than we. Again, this is about to be the famous, I was too good at my job line for the person who always gets fired. Uh, you know, I just imagine the Hebrews, why, why do the Egyptians want to hurt us? Well, it's it's just because we're too damn awesome, you know. Uh, they're we're too mighty, and they're you know we're outnumbering them. The you know yeah, like that's really the reason. It's impossible to know, but I'm sure there'd be more to it than that. Wait, what am I talking? None of this happened. Never mind. Also, I like the idea that read again. The and he said the the Pharaoh and he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we are, than we. So, 
So did they did they have a big secret meeting with everyone in Egypt invited except the Israelites? Like, like he said unto all his people, like he's like, okay, everyone, top secret. Posted flyers like top secret meeting. Don't don't invite any of the Hebrews. Okay, these people are these Hebrews are just too, you know, they're they're oh they're mightier and they multiply and and uh, and all that. You know, like was it a secret meeting where everyone's like, yeah, you know, I hate those Hebrews. All of Egypt somehow he's 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 talking to. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to inflict them with their burdens. So basically, oh, so, you know, in case you haven't been keeping up exactly the uh, pharaoh. There's a new pharaoh in town. He somehow knows nothing about all that Joseph did, and he hates all the Hebrews and, the, you know, the Israelites. Um, and so he calls a big <laughs> secret Egyptian meeting that the Hebrews somehow didn't find out about. They didn't notice. And he says, these Hebrews suck, and so let's enslave them and hurt them a lot. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service, wherein they made them serve, was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shiprah, uh, Shifra, and the name of the other Puah. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. If it be a daughter, then she shall live. Okay, so basically the Pharaoh uh, is telling, so they enslaved everybody, and then the Pharaoh is going and telling, I guess, it says Hebrew midwives, but that doesn't make sense, because why would you tell the Hebrew midwives to kill the Hebrews. So it must be like the midwives that attend to the Hebrews, like they have assigned midwives to the Hebrew, I guess, maybe. Uh, and so the Pharaoh says, hey, you uh, you midwives, if the, if the Hebrews have a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, then don't, don't kill him. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as uh, the Egypt women, they, for they are lively and they are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. So their excuse is the, uh, the Hebrews just give birth before we even get there. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. Well, that's nice. A little gift for treating them nicely. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Hmm. You know, I wonder how, is the, how the Pharaoh is getting all this information, like this instant population data. Somehow he knows when, like, they're not, they're booming, you know, like they're, that's got you know that takes time <laughs> especially to you know in all of egypt all of egypt he's noticing this 
and uh, somehow he he it, it's got to be at least like like years before it makes any sort of difference. <coughs> Excuse me, you know, over the course of time, maybe they could you know produce more children than the Egyptians, but but it would take a while before it would add up to anything, don't you think? I mean, it would certainly have to be a while before you know the census data would be in. How, how did he know all this so fast? Like, is he's trying to make them their population go down, but somehow they're not going down? Like, how does he know that? Anyway, whatever. Another impracticality. Oh, so that's the end of that chapter one. So we'll go on to chapter two. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, uh, took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Uh, so apparently if he was not a goodly child, she was going to toss him out with the recycling. Uh, but since he was, she hid him. Because they commanded everybody to murder all the uh, Hebrew sons, if you remember. And when she took... Uh, oh, sorry. When she could not uh, longer hide him, she took him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and laid it in the flags by the river's brink. So she, she basically gave put her baby in a little tiny raft thing and just put put the baby in the river. So she's worried that someone's going to come kill her son. So she decides to abandon him in a river. Two billion things could happen to him. He could drown, he could get eaten, he could starve pretty quickly, you know, bugs could get on, you know, a lot, it's a little baby, and you're going to just, just ditch him in a river? Or the or the Egyptians could just see him and go, oh, hey, there's a baby in the river, kill it, that's a Hebrew baby, you know? It's pretty much a guaranteed death, I'd say. I mean, what are the odds? I think she would have been better off trying to hide him, you know, or... Or deny that she's a Hebrew or anything. Do anything but put your baby in a river. What did she do? Do that and say, ah, oh, well, okay, he's gone to a better place. You know, like, she'd be happy with herself. Sorry. And his... Si- oh, did I miss a line? Uh, uh, no. And his sister stood... Oh, okay, so the baby's sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river... And her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go up and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse a child for thee? The child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go! And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away. And I'm sorry, I got thrown off by this. And the Pharaoh, Go! And the maid went and called the child's mother. So the maid just found the baby's mother anyway. I didn't realize that the first time. I thought they just got a nurse to nurse it. Hmm. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee wages. And the woman took the child. I don't know. And the women took the child, it says, and nursed it. Okay. 
Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't. This is weird. I didn't. This language seemed different the first time I read it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto the Pharaoh's daughter, and he na- he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, "Because I drew him out of the water." So the Pharaoh's daughter basically has adopted Moses here, and I, I didn't. So I got thrown off by that part. I didn't. It sounded like Moses's real mother was nursing him or something, and then. Uh, then the Pharaoh's daughter sort of took him. I don't know. That's weird. Whatever. Moving on. Um, and I love how somehow the whole time the Pharaoh never found out about any of this. He was never like, so, uh, to the daughter, like, hey, so how was your day? And the daughter's like, well, me and my son were, you know, we're doing some stuff. And she's like, wait, you have a son? I don't remember giving you away to any man. How do you have a son? You know, there's never any conversation like that. How did she raise this child into adulthood without any contact with any Egyptian to realize that? She, you know, she had a Hebrew son. (laughs) Weird. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So you see, kids, the Bible teaches us to always look both ways before murdering someone. And he looked this way, and he looked that way. And he saw when there was no man, and he killed the Egyptian. Uh, so that's what happened. Moses killed somebody, an Egyptian, for abusing a Hebrew. And he went out on the second day, and behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. So they're having an argument. And he said to them that did, wrong, did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? So they say, why, why are we having this Hebrew on Hebrew crime here? That's what he's saying. And the person said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses said, Uh-oh, oh no. And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Uh-oh. Trouble. And he said, Oh, sorry. Now, when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. That's what he did. He just went and sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Reuel, their father, he said, How is it that you are come so soon this day? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him, that he may eat bread. So Moses fled and came to a well and helped these uh, women water their sheep. And so the women went back to their father and said, A guy helped us. And the father said, Well, where is he? So we can thank him, pretty much. Uh, Call him, that he may eat bread, is what, what he said. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. <laughs> I think the uh I think men back in those days fathers uh were just eager to find anyone to just give their daughters to it sounds like. So this this guy helps the daughters water their sheep and so the father's like, "What? Oh, bring him by here so I can give you to him, you know, so I can get rid of one of your daughters." Sounds like to me. And she bare him a son and called his name Gershom. Gina Gershom. No. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. 
And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. <laughs> yeah, God, God, God said, wow, you know, there's, oh, he was just hanging out. He's like, there's something I'm supposed to do. Damn it. What was it? Oh, I know. Okay. I know when I came into this covenant room, I came into it for something. I didn't just walk in here for no reason. What, what would that be? Oh, I hate when that happens. Ah, whatever. I guess I'll just go watch some TV and sure it'll come to me five minutes later. Shit, 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 shit. Oh man, the freaking covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Damn it. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll just say, oh, I forgot about that. Okay. I'll just tell them, uh, sometimes God's will takes time. Yeah, they'll, they'll buy that. I'll just say that. And, uh, you know, sometimes you got to suffer while I am waiting for some reason. Uh, yeah, I think I can sell that. <laughs> so that's how that went, I think. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. But he wouldn't date them or anything like that. He just respected them as people. Exodus chapter 3. Uh, it gets so great in chapter 3 here. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, Jethro Tull, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So the famous burning bush. Uh, you know, maybe the explanation for this is that it was just sort of a big bush, you know? Or maybe, you know, like, just he didn't quite see it right. It's just kind of big, so it didn't seem like it was burning at first. Uh, you know what? Of all the things an all-powerful God could do, this is what he did? He set a bush on fire and just didn't let it burn. That That's it? Again, let's remember that this God is timeless and omniscient. He could have done anything. He could have... He could have, like, you know, magicked a TV and an Xbox or something like that. How solid would that proof have been? What if, what if this whole time the Bible had said, and according to Moses, there was this weird thing called an Xbox, which apparently made these demons appear on a 42-inch flat screen. We don't know what any of this means, but, but God says it'll make sense eventually. You know, what if he did something like that? Or showed him anything from the future, or showed him anything... Other than a burning freaking bush, how we would obviously believe it. We'd be like, "Oh man, they knew they he knew about that back then. How in the world could he know? No, it would be called an X, but you know, some anything, something like that." I'm just <laughs> giving an example. It doesn't have to be Xbox. It could be you know, it could be a PlayStation or something. But but still, something like, like Xbox or PlayStation related. Uh, you know, Nintendo too, something like that. You know. Any, okay, any game system, I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it has to be any one. I'm saying any one of these video game systems he could have made appear. <laughs> and it, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, and Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush is not burnt. To himself, I guess he said that. <laughs> And 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 someone wrote it down later. That Mo and Moses said to himself, "I shall now turn." <laughs> also, no one ever says, "Huh, 
Weird, that bush sort of looks like it's burning, but I must just be seeing that wrong. Whatever. I'll move on. No one ever says that. They're like, this must be something. There's a bush on fire. Surely that's God. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And if a a burning bush said to me, Thomas, Thomas, I would not say, here am I. I think that would not even be close to what I'd say. I'd probably let loose about uh, 200 expletives, and then I'd say something like, holy freaking crap, are you talking to me? Are you talking? What the hell are you? Wait a minute, this must be, this has got to be a trick. This is a trick, right? This is a trick. You know, and, and even if maybe I eventually believed it or something, my first response would not be, here am I, bush, oh, burning bush, here am I. Anything but that. And he said, draw not high hither, draw not nigh hither. God's talking to Moses. Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Yeah, but it's dirty just like any other ground, isn't it? I mean, it's not like, is it new carpeting or something in the middle of the desert? Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. And yes, I didn't forget about it. Uh, I've just been busy lately, okay? It's just taken me a minute. That's all. And have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Mm, yummy. Unto this place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And uh, and Moses said, uh, yeah, okay, uh, but where where all them? Where will they go once we go in, into their land? God said, never mind that. Don't worry about that. I'll just figure something out. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. You know, (laughs) I love the sentence, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. I would think an all-powerful God would be just a, just a touch more eloquent than that, you know, just just a little bit. And you know what? Really, uh, Shakespeare's our our human, you know, sort of best writer. I mean, it's impossible to know, but he's okay. He's a really good writer, and and he's a human. So a God should sound like mind-numbingly good. He should say things the way his sentences should be phrased. Should be like we should be crying when we read it. That's how good it should be if it was really God. It shouldn't be like pretty crappy and not even close to as good as a human could do. That's not what it would be like if it was God. I don't no one thinks about these. I, all these things are little things, but well, not all of them, but a lot of them are little little details, but if you just free your mind from all the stupid biases uh of well, okay, I'm, I guess I'm speaking to religious people here that aren't listening. But, I mean, if, if you just 
completely open your mind to what it should be like if it's a god. What this book should be like if it's uh, written by God. And there are just thousands of zillions of details that are so stupid about it, and this being one of them. Um, it just doesn't make sense. But the the only way people accept it, I think, is just, you know, they grow up and they're just told that it's the Word of God. And they just, they sort of get used to the idea. So in the back of their mind, uh, you know, it, it sort of fits their intuitions a little bit better. But if you if you could lose all those little biases or by that by I don't know how you say it, that bias I, I don't know uh, it it's ridiculous all these things add up to being really stupid that's what that's what happens if you lose all your biases come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh remember this is God talking to Moses that thou mayest bring forth my people the children of Israel out of Egypt and Moses said unto God who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say to them, The God of your father has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I call? What shall I say unto them? And uh, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I am that I am in all caps. I think actually how, how this really went is Moses was like, What is your name? What should I say your name is? And and God's like, Oh, uh, hmm. Well, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, uh, tell him my name is... Uh, Dirk, no, Mitch, Mitch Michaels, something, uh, Jack Bauer, no, no, that, that'll conflict with something later, uh, Vin, uh, Bob, I just, uh, something rough sounding, but not too dumb sound, uh, 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 you know what, screw it. Just tell him, uh, say this, just tell him, I am that I am, in all caps. Just just say I said that, okay? Yeah, that works. That's fine. I can't, you know, I just, I just can't think of anything good. Uh, I just didn't, you know, if I'd have thought about it earlier, maybe, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's how that went. And God said, moreover, unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. You know, this is further evidence that the God we think of today is not the same as the God in this Bible. Um, the God people worship today is is this personal God, this really understanding. He, he listens to your prayers. He knows all your thoughts. He's the God. It's great. Um, but, but this God is very far from a personal God. He, he's sort of a very exclusive God. He's like a members only God. Um, specifically he's the God of Abraham. So, <clears throat> so millions of people lived their lives out back then without even the possibility of this personal God that, that apparently is so, uh, eternal now. How can that be? Seems really unfair to me. Millions of people just died. They only get, you only get one life. They live they live their life, and and according to you religious, 
um, there was this personal god around, but I guess they didn't have access to him back then, or uh, they somehow they need Jesus to have this god or something. This doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. It's a different god. This is not the same god that you worship nowadays. Please realize that, people. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt in the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And thou shalt hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, uh, say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice the, to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which he will, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, then he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And sh it shall come to pass that when you go, ye shall not go empty. But every man shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shalt spoil the Egyptians. Oh, I hate it when I don't drink all my Egyptians before the sell-by date, and it totally spoils. Nothing worse than spoiled Egyptian. you got to throw it all away, and they spent money on it. I hate that. So that's the end of chapter 3. Uh, so all that happened there, if you didn't follow along, sorry, I didn't really recap any of that, did I? I thought I sort of did, but pretty much all that happened is there's that burning bush. <laughs> this was pretty obvious. Um, but God told him to go to the elders, and uh, and God gave him this, uh, let's see, told him what to say, and... Um, told him to gather the elders together and go ask the king to let them go sacrifice to the god to god because he needs that freaking needs that sacrifice if we learned anything about god it's that and uh that's that's pretty much all that happened there so on to chapter four our last chapter of the day and moses answered and said but behold they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said, Oh, just just tell them, Oh, when they say that, just say, Did too. And then they'll say, Did not. And then you say again, after that, you say, Did too. And then they'll they'll probably say, Did not. And then to that, you'll, you'll have to say, uh, hmm. Oh, did too. And, <laughs> and the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? He's... <laughs> He's leading up to a magic trick, by the way, so he probably said it like, Ah, uh, what is that uh, in thine hand? And Moses said, uh, uh, it's, it's a rod. <laughs> it actually says it's a rod. <laughs> a rod's in his hand. No, sorry. A rod. Uh, and he said, God said, cast it upon the ground. And he cast it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Fled? 
<laughs> God was like, hey, hey, no, 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 come back. Come back. It's just a trick. And, oh, damn it. i start all over with another one. <sighs> oh, well, that guy was a sissy anyway. It's just a freaking snake. Come on. You got to flee from it? It's a snake. Grow up, man. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. And then the Lord said, now, for my next trick. Now, here's what you're going to do. Take thy penis in thy hand. And Moses was like, no, 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 no. No, I got it. I got it. We're cool. We're cool. I get it. No, good. You sure are uh, miraculous. I don't need any more proof. I'm good. I am good. No more snakes. We're we're fine. (laughs) That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And he took it out, and behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again, and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it came to and it shall come to pass, if they will not believe me, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. Because if the snake thing doesn't work, the leprosy thing somehow, the leprosy thing is way easier. Just get some makeup or something. Again, how convenient is it, again, in a omniscient book of God, eternal God, how convenient is it that all these miracles were purely to do with crap that they already knew about back then, you know, snakes and leprosy and just really simple simple crap he could have shown them any number of wonders and gotten it down in writing on record (coughs) excuse me and just blown all our minds you know just any number of things he could have said and made simple predictions simple anything uh science-based things anything like that the bible could have gotten it down they could have said hey we had it here first and then you discovered it this is proof and it would have been just Oh, it would have been that simple. But no, no, you can't do that. It's all, curiously, all the miracles have to do with really old, uh, you know, Iron Age things like this. Hmm. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood unto the dry land. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. It probably took him an hour to say that. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Man, Moses is a freaking idiot. God just said he will be his mouth, and he's still too scared? Whatever. And he said, Oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him who thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. <laughs> He's making the Lord mad. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet me, uh, to meet thee, 
and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. <laughs> so yeah, God got mad at Moses. None of this makes sense with a timeless, all-powerful God. It's so backwards. Like, also, God couldn't convince him. <laughs> He's God. He couldn't convince Moses. He so okay. Quick recap. Moses was like, "No, I can't be the spokesperson for you know for you. I'm I'm kind of sort of dumb. I don't really. I'm not good with words." And God said, "Well, who is it that makes people dumb? Surely it's me. I'm God. I'm telling you, you'll be fine. I will be your mouth. So it's fine." And and that doesn't convince Moses. <laughs> and Moses is like. Oh, I don't know. And so the Lord fails to convince somebody of something and then says, all right, fine. Get you, you know what? Your brother will be fine. Yeah, just take him. He'll help you. <laughs> uh, so dumb. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. And Moses, oh, thou shalt do signs, rather. And Moses went and returned to Jethro Tull, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they yet be alive. And Jethro Tull said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, in Midian, go, return to Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass and returned to the land of Egypt's, uh, Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Hail! <laughs> Behold, I am the master of all that is God's penis. Uh, well, if, if you had God's rod in your hand, then I'm, you could probably do about anything. <laughs> Behold, the ultimate rod follow me. Everyone's like, yeah, no, no, yeah, holy, holy crap. Uh, just to take this chance to recap, so um, Moses asks the guy he was staying with his father-in-law if he can go back to Egypt and do all these things that God just told him to do, which is to, you know, free the people, all that kind of stuff. And the guy said, yeah. Yeah, okay, go ahead. And the Lord said unto Moses, when thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand, but I will harden his heart that he shall not let the people go. What? What the hell is the point of that? Uh, in case you didn't follow that, that basically said, okay, I've given you all these miracles to do for the Pharaoh, but I'm going to make it so the Pharaoh doesn't believe you and won't let you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What is the point of that? <laughs> really, what is the point of that? It's sort of like the other time when God said to somebody, uh, I know you didn't sin because I, I made you not sin. I, I kept you to not... It was, a, it was a few, quite a few podcasts ago. Uh, it was sort of like that where it's like, uh, so if you're pulling all the strings, then why are they they're, they're these people doing things wrong? It's not their fault, apparently. It's you. You're doing it. Weird. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. 
So this was really weird. This is nigh on incomprehensible, this part I just read to you. Uh, it, and that that's saying something for it to be the most incomprehensible part uh, in the in the Bible, I, I I think it is it 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 is, and that's that's saying something so far. So at one second he's telling Moses what to tell the Pharaoh, you know Moses is their buds, and he's saying, okay, tell the Pharaoh this, uh, and then without even defining what the pronouns are referring to, he talks about killing someone's firstborn son, and so I thought, you know, at first I thought, okay, so he's threatening to kill the Pharaoh's firstborn, but. We find out in a second here he's talking about Moses' firstborn <laughs> because Moses hasn't circumcised him. It's so weird. What God in 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 mid sentence goes from being on Noah's side or Noah, Moses' side and, and telling him what to tell the Pharaoh and all this, in mid sentence changes over to the fact that he's gonna kill uh Moses' firstborn. But now, my question is, first, how would Moses even know that he was supposed to circumcise anyone? Um, he was abandoned as a baby and was raised by Egyptians. Well, okay, I guess he could have found out somehow. Uh, but but shouldn't God just have given him the benefit of the, benefit of the doubt? Like, uh, okay, maybe. Uh, by the way, uh, while we're talking about this pharaoh, um, could you go ahead and circumcise your son? Uh, I sort of like all, you know, all my covenant folk to be circumcised. You know, it's, if I make an exception for one, I'm going to have to make an exception for everybody. So just go ahead and uh, circumcise your son if you don't mind. <laughs> this this gets great. Check this out. And Zipporah, which is Moses' wife, and this is how we know it's Moses' son. Uh, so remember, I'll read the one before again. And it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Again, it never said whose him was, but I, it's it's Moses's first son. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, "Surely a bloody husband art thou to me." <laughs> Holy freaking crap! That was awesome. She circumcised her son with a sharp stone. Wow! I did not know you could get that kind of precision with a stone. How in the world could that even happen? Holy crap, that must have been painful and and weird and, and just like how would the son put up with it? I guess the son must be really young or something, but if he's if he's even like seven or something, there's no way she's able to do that. You can't take somebody's penis and cut part of it off with a stone and just be like, Oh yeah, that's cool. And I love I love this image. It is the maybe the best sentence yet. Of of the wife tossing the foreskin at the feet of the angel <laughs> and cast it at his feet. Oh, gosh. I really am so glad that this is all bullshit. Imagine if this was real. Imagine if this God was real. That he he sent an angel to kill your son because he hadn't, for, uh, hadn't taken his foreskin off. And so your wife has to cut it off with a stone and toss it at the feet. Toss this disgusting penis skin at the foot of an angel. <laughs> That's so stupid. Oh my gosh, it's so stupid. Oh, wow. So he let him go. So the angel let him go because he did that. And then she said, a bloody, bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, Moses' brother that's going to help him out, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went, and he met him in the mount of God and kissed him. 
And Moses said, Ew. No. And Moses told all the words of the Lord who had sent him, and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses, and the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they had heard, well, that was easy. Why did he, why did he even need all those miracles and crap? And when they heard that the Lord had visited, people are basically, they're ready to believe these people. It's pretty clear uh, from the fact that this religion even exists. They're fine. Just say you talk to God. They're like, oh, yeah, cool. They're like, well, I have all these miracles I could, no, no, not necessary. No, I believe you. Was it a dream or was it an angel or was it a bush or was it, what was it? <laughs> and that had looked on the, upon their affliction when they bowed their head and worshipped. It's throwaway verse. Basically, they believed what, what he said. All right, so that's the end of our reading for this podcast. And uh, Exodus has been great so far, just a bounty of, of stupid crap. Oh, it's great. It's getting good again, guys. I'm excited. Uh, so thanks, and as always, send comments to comments at thomasandthebible.com. You can send anything, a question, a, a, a sharp bit of criticism, uh, anything you want, just for fun. I kind of want to be in contact with you guys and get and know what you're feeling about this. Uh, so thanks, do that, and uh,